بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمده و نسلی علی رسولی الکریم اما بعد الحمدللہ tonight is the 9th of July in the year 2023 and alhamdulillah we moved on to the 76th night that we're going through the exalted and dear life of the illustrious companion Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud and continuing with regards to his endless words of wisdom So the next subsection entitled The Calamity of the Unrestrained Tongue Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu anhu he relates I once asked Ya Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam which deeds are the most meritorious He sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said As-salatu ala miqatiha Salah at their designated times I then asked him about the next most meritorious deed and he replied an yaslaman nasu min lisanik that the people should be safe from your tongue subhanallah this is recorded in tabarani tarheeb number 251 with a sahih channel transmission so let's look so the great ibn mas'ud he's asking what is the most meritorious deed So the first thing the prophet mentioned here sallallahu alaihi wasallam is as-salatu ala miqatiha salat at the designated times so when you offer it at the designated time this is the most beloved deed to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and there's actually reports that mention that the difference between the meritorious time and the end time is like the difference between the hereafter and the earth So if somebody goes, what's the difference between this worldly life and the hereafter? There's no comparison. So if you offer salat at the end time, that's like the worldly reward. You got the bare minimum. But if you offer it at the designated time, the meritorious time, this is like the hereafter. So this is why it's important to know when the most meritorious time is for the salat. Then he asked, what is the next most meritorious deed? So you're thinking, okay, salat first. Look how amazing. The Prophet said, The people should be safe from your tongue. So now what's strange about that? That's not actually a deed. You're physically not doing anything. <coughs> so just keeping your mouth quiet, refraining from you know, speaking about other people, that is the second most meritorious deed. Now think about that. But people don't value it. They go, why is this person, why doesn't he talk much? And he goes, he should be asking you, why do you talk much? So when you keep quiet, there's salvation in that. Confirming further. In Behaqi ibn Hiban, Abu Ash-Shaykh Targheeb, number 2516, Sayyidina Abu Juhayfa, radiyallahu, he relates, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam once asked, which deeds are the most beloved? To Allah the Almighty, the most honored and glorified. There was complete silence. No one replied. Upon this, the Prophet said, Huwa hifzul lisan. It is guarding one's tongue. So look how beautiful this report is. What was the question the Prophet asked? Which deeds are the most beloved? Did anybody speak up? No, because that was the deed. <laughs> 
So whether they did it deliberately or they did it even without deliberation, there was complete silence. And the Prophet said, Huwa hifzul lisan, guarding your tongue, the most beloved deed. So now, can we appreciate this? The answer is, we can only appreciate it when you look at other reports. There's a very famous report in Sayyid Bukhari, where the Prophet he said, Whoever promises me to God was between his jaws and was between his legs, I promise him paradise. So the Prophet was saying, if you can guard your tongue and you can guard your private parts from the unlawful, that is so huge a deed, you are guaranteed paradise. Out of the two, which did he mention first? The tongue. A lot of people, they think that the most destructive organ are the private parts. And the response is, it is a very destructive organ, there's no doubt, but it's not the most destructive organ. Why? Because the hadith is in Tabarani, and it's a sahih hadith. The Prophet said that most of the sins of the children of Adam are from his tongue. Now think about that. How valuable a knowledge is that? If somebody says to you, I'm going to give you some priceless knowledge. Because what is it going to tell me if I want to hear it? And he says, I'll tell you that this knowledge I'm going to give you, if you can act upon this one piece of knowledge, more than 50% of your sins, you'll be safe from. Isn't that priceless? Because 50% of them, more than 50, half, more than half my sins. Yes. What is it? The Prophet said, the tongue. So if you can control your tongue, half of the register of your sins at least will not be there. Mm. This is why there's another report. In Tabarani, Al-Haytami in Majma Az-Zawaid, volume 10, page 300, stated Sahih, Hayat al-Sahaba, volume 4, page 227 of the New English Translation. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, he gave this matter its due worth for Abu Wa'il, he relates. When Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud once ascended Mount Safa, he suddenly got hold of his tongue and he said, O tongue, speak what is good and reap the rewards. Shun evil speaking and you will be safe before having to regret. He then said, I have heard Rasulullah say, وسلم, most of man's sins stem from the tongue. So let's look at this. So now what's very significant, where was he at the time? So that doesn't usually matter. When a sahaba speaks, he speaks the truth or she speaks the truth. But he was ascending Mount Safa. So why would you ascend Mount Safa? So this seems to indicate he was doing either the Hajj or the Umrah. He was in Ihram. It's possible that he could be there. But it's very highly unlikely. So he's in Ihram. And when he goes on to Mount Safa, he grabs his tongue. Now this is a sunnah. Mm. So how do you grab your tongue? The scholars actually say you grab it with your tongue, your thumb and your two fingers. Mm. And you talk to your tongue. <laughs> so who, apart from Ibn Masood, did this? Umar radiallahu. Sorry, Abu Bakr. The hadith is in Tirmidhi. And Abu Bakr was once rebuking himself. And he was holding his tongue. Because this little piece of flesh has taken me to destruction. So Umar radiallahu said, have mercy on yourself. Allah has forgiven you. <laughs> in other words, what are you doing? And also in another report, in Imam Malik's Muwatta, Umar radiallahu was by himself in an orchard. 
And Anas was walking on the outside and he overheard Umar speaking. And Umar was speaking to himself. He goes, Umar ibn al-Khattab, Amir al-Mu'mineen. Well done, well done. You will fear Allah or you will be punished. So Anas said he's talking to himself. So now when a person talks to himself, that's madness. No, it's not. If you're having an introspection, it's sunnah. So you physically rebuke yourself by yourself. Abu Bakr was doing it by himself. Umar was doing it by himself. Ibn Masood possibly in, in, in public. And what did he say? Speak good, reap the rewards, shun evil, otherwise you will regret. Then he mentioned the hadith. I heard Rasulullah say, most of man's sins is from the tongue. So now what sins was Ibn Masood committing? What sins was Abu Bakr committing? What sins was Umar committing? Did they need to hold their tongue? What sins are we committing? We're not holding our tongue. In fact, there's a very famous report. The hadith is in Tirmidhi, is Hassan. The Prophet wasallam said, every morning, all of the limbs, they beg their tongue. And I'm paraphrasing. He goes, for God's sake, be upright. If you are upright, we will be upright. If you are not, we will suffer. Every single day. This is the unseen world the Prophet is talking about. Now why are all of the limbs talking to the tongue? Imagine your foot is talking to your tongue. Your kneecap is talking to your tongue. Your hair is talking to your tongue. Your tooth is to- Why are they all talking? Because the tongue, they're scared of it. Because for God's sake, we're going to get punished if you don't restrain yourself. Now what's tragic about the hadith. Your own body is talking to the tongue, you're not. So the sahaba goes, no, we will talk to it. So note, you have to give it its due worth. But are we giving it its due worth? Or just letting it loose? Astaghfirullah. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, what did he say? By him besides whom there is no other God, subhanahu wa ta'ala, there is nothing on the surface of the earth more deserving of a prolonged imprisonment than the tongue. <laughs> this is in Tabarani, Abu Nu'aym al-Hiliya, number 270, Al-Haytami in Majma al-Zawaid, volume 10, page 320, stated Sahih, Targheem number 2518, Sahih, Hayat al-Sahaba, volume 4, page 229 of the New English Translation. So let's look at this. He swore an oath. Whenever the companions swear an oath, it means it's a very serious matter. He swore an oath first. Then he said, <coughs> This is what needs is more deserving of being put in prison. Imagine you ask a person a question. In this earth, on the surface of this earth, what is the most deserving of being put into prison? And straight away people think of criminals. They'll say, oh yes, you know, the, the drug dealers. No. And you go, rapists. No. Murderers. He goes, no. <coughs> My God, brother, what, which person are you thinking of? Because I'm, think, I'm not thinking of a person. I'm, th- I'm, to- I'm thinking of an organ. Because I'm going to have to explain this, old brother. He goes, the thing that needs to be imprisoned for the longest period of time is the tongue. And then obviously he's in a response, well, how did you work that? I didn't work it out. Abdullah ibn Masood told us. Now, what did he mean by that? What he meant by that was, you need to control it. If it's in prison, they can't harm people. That's why you put people in prison. Why? Because the rapist can't rape in prison. The murderer can't murder in prison. That's why you put him in prison. The tongue, that's what he's saying. He goes, it needs to be guarded. It needs to be put in prison. Just imagine how much sins you've committed thus far with your tongue. 
If you knew the damage, you actually saw it, you'd be shocked. But the reason is we can't see out of sight, out of mind. We think, oh no, it's not that bad, brother. I've done some harm. You're going to be shocked. And then you're going to regret like Ibn Masood said. So just wake up before it's too late. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, what did he say? Beware of futile speech. All you need to say is that which would get your needs fulfilled. This is in Tabarani. And here to me in Majma Az Zawaid, volume 10, page 303, comments upon the chain of narrators. Ayada Sahaba, volume 4, page 229 of the New English Translation. So what was he saying? He goes, Speak only when you need to speak. Learn how to do that. That's the ilm. Abu Dardar said, Just as you learned how to speak, now learn how to remain silent. So when you see a child, he can't speak. He learns how to speak. That's what he starts saying first. All of a sudden, he says a word and you get shocked. Then all of a sudden, he's doing Shakespeare. Then you say to that person, Now learn how to keep quiet. And he goes, Hey, I'm eloquent. That's the problem, right? Now you need to learn. Undo what you did. Abu Bakr Siddiq, he said, Ah, if only I could talk only to fulfill my needs and to remember my Lord. Ah. So how many times do we speak? So somebody goes, is that zikr that you're doing? No. Is it fulfilling your needs? No. So it's bakwas then, isn't it? Bakwas speech. Yeah. That's futile speech. You don't, you ever learn how to stop speaking. People think if we go into the gathering of the Sahaba, they're going to be talking till they're not going to talk. You're going to be shocked. Imagine if you go to the Sahaba, why isn't anybody speaking? Because they learn how not to speak. They only speak when they need to. If they actually listen to us, they'll get shocked. Why are they talking like this? Why don't they give the angels a rest? You know, one report says, give them a rest. Even futile speech, the angels write it down and then they scrap it. You're just wasting their ink. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud also went on to warn those who failed to heed upon this advice. The people guilty of the most sins on the day of judgment shall be those who engage the most in useless speech, idle speech. This is in Tabarani. Al-Haytami in Majma Az-Zawaid, volume 10, page 303, stated Sahih. Ayatah Sahaba, volume 4, page 229 to 230 of the New English Translation. Notice he didn't say sins. What did he say? The people guilty of the most sins on the day of judgment are who? Those who speak unnecessarily. That's what shaitan does. He gets his foot in. He goes, no, no, nice weather. How's your dad? Day, day, day. Next minute, you backbite him. So if you didn't have that key to open the speech, you wouldn't go to backbite. And how do you learn that? There's two ways to learn it. One is sit with people who are not who don't talk much. The other is keep away from people. People harm people. Ibn Abbas said. This man came to him once and he was so upset. He goes, somebody has, you know, as like you said, you know, he stabbed me in the back. So Ibn Abbas said, people hurt people. Why are you mixing with them? You know, if you mix, you're going to get harmed. That's part and parcel of the package. But if you don't want to get hurt, don't mix with them. Don't talk to them. Salam alaikum, alaikum salam, see you later. As mentioned earlier, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud was so fearful of this that he had once said to a host of his, Oh, would that I was also there at that place where this bird was caught 
four distance four days distance travel so that no one could talk with me no i could talk with anyone till i meet my lord subhanallah this is in tabarani al-hatami in majma az-zawaid volume 10 page 304 comments upon the chain of narrators hayat as-sahaba volume 4 page 262 one of the new english translation ibn asakir kanzul umal volume 2 page 159 al-sibla so i mentioned this many moons earlier somebody invited him they gave him a, you know honored the guest they brought a, a bird from a four day distant travel special bird special cuisine for him so he asked well, what's this and look what he said if only i could be where that bird was so nobody would talk to me no i would talk to them until i meet my lord and this is actually a very interesting hadith apart from the fact ibn masud said it why because he's describing the awliya where are the awliya they don't want to know you you don't want to know them keep away from me right i don't want to talk i don't want to hear for example somebody came to sheikh hamza yusuf al maliki's teacher munabut al haj who's passed away rahmatullah and they said something in his presence and he wasn't we wouldn't even consider it bike bite he just said something about a person's horse you know mode of transport he's always a bit sluggish so then the sheikh goes he goes there you must listen very carefully he goes don't bring this speech to me he goes i don't want to hear this speech he goes i've come here for a reason to keep away from that and sheikh hamza was i was i was shocked because he wasn't we wouldn't even consider it back bite so was he an olia all outward signs he was an olia that's why they keep away they don't want to hear it keep away from people ibn masud what was his desire I don't want to talk to people people I don't want people talking to me why because I want to control my tongue because this is safety this is where safety lies until I meet my lord imagine until I meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala which companion famously kept away from the people there's many but which one is very famous for this Abu Dhar Abu Dhar the Allah what did the prophet Hassan say to him? <laughs> he actually gave him advice he just go where the people tell you to go just go he kept moving from one place to another eventually he went to rabada rabada is a is a place is a is a isolated place in the desert outskirts of the desert he went there and he was so happy just with his wife and his servant that's all he had wife and servant and even then he thought he had too much and then once he was you know in his makeshift masjid and a person came to him <laughs> and he had his black cloak around him so the person goes abu dar he goes ghanima he goes spoils he goes you know subhanallah so abu dar he, he walks over to abu dar and he goes oh companion of the prophet are you, are you abu dar he goes yes and he goes what are you doing here and then abu dar radiyallahu said let me give you some advice he said speak if you speak good otherwise keep quiet <laughs> and then he says mix if the company is good otherwise stay aloof he goes ma salam <laughs> and the man, the man left he went subhanallah so why did he get irritated he was thinking where is he come from i'm here with my lord happy to be you know is somebody now think about that <laughs> But he gave him advice, priceless advice. He goes, "Live this, you'll be successful." So no, they were come. They all they were like this. The companions of the Prophet said, "Allah is." Who was the who was the Sayyid of the God-fearing people? 
the master of the girl feeling who was it Rasulullah Rasulullah So Rasulullah What did the Sahaba say about him? He didn't speak much He just used to look at us and smile So imagine If he was in his company Sahaba would be talking He'd be smiling at them Because he very rarely spoke But when he did speak Because we listened So think about that You know When he saw Allah Alaihi Wasallam Everybody thinks he's been doing a tour You know A guided tour He's not going to do tours You know Right you know, What do you want? Bayans We got too many bayans, right? You know, we need people of you know substance, and the substance is the person himself. Anas, what did he say? Who's, who's Anas? We've been through his life. Sayyidina Anas radiyallahu said, "A person can never have taqwa until he controls his tongue. A person can never have taqwa until he controls his tongue." This is in Ibn Sa'ad in Istabakat, volume 7, page 22. Ayat al-Sahaba, volume 4, page 231 of the New English Translation. Now think about that. Is taqwa something optional or do is it a necessity for this? What would you say? It's a necessity. Why is it a necessity to have taqwa? Okay. But how, do you, but how does that prove it's a necessity? Can't you just live without taqwa? So what does Allah Ta'ala say about taqwa? He says, I will guide the people of taqwa. I love the people of taqwa. So all of the things combined indicate its necessity. You cannot have taqwa until you control your tongue. Bakwas, right? I know a God-fearing person. One question you ask, what's his speech like? Talk bakwas. Not a person of taqwa. Does he backbite? Right? Everybody backbites. Not a person of taqwa. We're not saying he hasn't got taqwa. We're saying he hasn't got the level of taqwa to make him pious. You have to control your tongue. And now when did Anas say this? Anas radiyallahu in Ibn Sa'ad in his tabakat. He put his ihram on. He was doing the hajj. And in those blessed days, the ihram was on for months. Because the, the journey would take a few weeks. You understand? Then the hajj writes, All of the time he was in Ihram, he didn't speak. He just did zikr. When he came out of Ihram, he goes, that's how a muhrim should be. So what did he do? Did he give a bayan about it? When you're in Ihram, it's very important not to talk. Did he give a bayan? He just did, imagine, nobody, he wouldn't talk to anybody. He's labbek, alamu labbek, you know, subhanallah, alhamdulillah, just did zikr. What's happening? He don't talk in Ihram. He ain't got time. When he came out, he goes, now he goes, I've got a bit of freedom. Then he said, a person can never have taqwa until he controls his tongue. And just to add this, the Prophet said, what did he say? In Behaqi, in Shu'ab al-Iman, he said, man slips more with his tongue than he does with his foot. <laughs> man slips more with his tongue than he does with his foot. Now, what's interesting, you remember the times you trip, you know it. Can you remember the last time you tripped? Everybody remembers. You might have been even, you know, a year ago. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was an icy day. You remember that, brother? But you've been slipping with your tongue for 15 years? Remember any of that? Exactly. Oh, yeah, that's true. Because man says more with his tongue, meaning how can you remember that and forget your tongue? Also, the Prophet said, a person's heart cannot be upright until his tongue is upright. So there's no such thing as a person who's got a pure heart and his tongue is foul. To get to the heart, you've got to go through the tongue. 
Have you understood that? So every oliya, male or female, they've got a purified tongue. There's no such thing as a dodgy oliya who's got a purified heart. That's just our version of Islam. The tongue has to be purified. Why are prophets protected from sin? Because they've got the purest hearts. Allah Ta'ala is protecting their hearts. People don't even have to explain that. Why? Why? What's so special? There's a reason, there's a necessity for the prophets to be like this. Allah Ta'ala is protecting their hearts. They were the recipients of divine revelation. Both, they didn't ever commit a sin with the tongue. Think about that. They didn't ever hear a sin. You know how strange is that to us? And if you think about it, it's impossible not to commit a sin. They were not, they were, these were the prophets. So again, note Ibn Mas'ud. Was he talking about the important things in our lives? Right? The tongue. And it's so important for us to understand, control the tongue, do zikr. You know, look how beneficial it can be and how destructive it can be. What did the Prophet famously say? He goes, there is a phrase that's very light on the tongue. Why did he mention the tongue? He just for the sake of it, he could just mention the zikr. It's heavy on the scale. He didn't say that. He goes, there is a zikr that is very light on the tongue, but very heavy on the scale. Subhanallah wa bihamdihi, subhanallah al-azim. Why did he say the tongue first? Because he goes, use the tongue for good. But at the same time, it can destroy. One of the salaf said, one, a backbiter can destroy in one day what a magician cannot do in a year. The tongue is so destructive. And to conclude with one report, the hadith is in Tabarani. The Prophet said, whoever slanders a pious, innocent woman, accuses her of indecency, it is enough to destroy a hundred years of his good deeds. How many people speak of women? You know, it's it's like nothing to them. Oh, yeah, yeah. That woman, I knew it. I knew it. What did the Prophet say? It's enough to destroy a hundred years of your good deeds. You don't even live a hundred years, brother. So imagine you've wiped your entire lifetime of deeds out with one statement. Did you know that? But she is though, isn't she? You doing it again, ain't you? Why are you talking about women for? Astaghfirullah. Now social media. Oh my God. Oh, yeah, did, you, did you hear about? Did you see? Did you? Like Sheikh Hamza says, he goes, before you needed two to tango. <laughs> what he meant was to bite by you need two people. Because now you don't. You can bite by, by yourself. You got the phone. The whole world I'll bite by. Imagine, astaghfirullah. Social media, shaitan's having a field day. You don't even realize. Not even talking about it. You're actually showing them as well. Look. You know, as if it's a good deed. Mashallah. So all I mentioned today was the calamity of the unrestrained tongue and not the great Ibn Masood gave us vital guidelines. Are there any questions? Subhanallah bihamdihi subhanallah wa bihamdika ashhadu la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilaika 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 wa at